Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty. All right, welcome to Let's Be Clear. I am Shannon Doherty. Today I have on, I'm not even going to say former co-star. I'm going to say my favorite co-star from 90210, Brian Austin Green. Hi. Hi. What's up, bag? (laughs) Chilling. It's so funny to be here because literally, what was it, like four days ago, I put on Instagram, I was like, hey, you know, listeners name some people that you would love to see and then you hit me up and right away it was like okay let's do this and then all and all of a sudden here we are it's crazy how fast that can happen do you like that i answer like the questions that you put up for your fans on instagram and i'm like me because i'm going through the list and it's like there's nothing and then all of a sudden i have this big blue check thing and it's like get the fun of course (laughs) and the way you wrote it like all you wrote was me i was like that's totally that's yeah. totally I was like, why are we not doing this already? Like, this is right. weird. I've been pitching the concept of this for a while. It just hasn't had the, oh, the stars haven't aligned on it. Well, they aligned today. Because you made them align. Because you're a gangster that way. Gangsta. You get things done. Gangster, <laughs> I like that. Uh, I feel like I haven't been a gangster since you and I were at the Roxbury. Oh, my God. Oh, the Roxbury was so good. That was so good. Yeah. What was, what was that woman's, what was that girl's name that, that tried fighting with you? Yeah. I remember that night because I remember her sitting out of the blue, out of fucking nowhere. I, I was right next to you. And literally we were walking past the table and she stood up and leaned over her table and hit you. And then tried saying that you started the fight. I remember, I so remember that whole night because it just didn't make any fucking sense. I'd never any seen sense. anything like it. And I was right? like, it doesn't, there's no rhyme or reason for any of it. And then the fact that she was just trying to claim that it was you is I, you know what? I hope at some point she reaches out and she goes, Hey, it's me. I'm sorry <laughs> for all of that that went on. I'm not, I'm not going to hold my breath for that. I was about to say that. I was about to be like, I'm definitely not holding my breath but for it's, that. But it, that would be amazing if it happened. Were you impressed though, that I did not go down? Cause she hit me hard. She hit you hard. She like, that was like, 
closed fist punch full, right in my face fucking swing. yeah and i did not go down and God, instead I, I, I literally I, like i, got I enraged. can visualize yeah you did but you you went right back over to the table we got all the people we the the police came but i like i remember where the booth i remember the whole thing it's like one of those i don't have vivid memories but that is what like i because it was vividly huge. remember that yeah and then it was in the press that like i got arrested because she decided she was pressing charges against me and i was like dude i didn't do anything so i'm pressing right. charges against you like i right. would have just have let it go and been like right all right you're crazy and right. maybe it was a dare i didn't know but i just know there was no reason for it whatsoever. I had not encountered her in the club. I had not even looked her way. I had no issues with anybody at their table. I'm still assuming she just wanted the press from it because at that point the show was No, huge. she sued me. She wanted money. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she wanted money. Wait, I was, they questioned me about all of that. Yes. I remember, yeah. Yeah, you, you had to do a depot or something. You know what's crazy for, uh, for as harmless as they claim marijuana to be? There are a lot of things I don't. <laughs> That's hysterical. Um, but those were minus that incident. Those were some fun times. It was so good. Often you, me, Tori, Marky Mark. There, yeah, I was just going to say there's that like infamous picture of us thinking we were smart, you know, flipping off the two photographers down on the street through the window thinking, oh, it's mirrored. They can't see. And it's like a crystal clear shot. Crystal clear shot. <laughs> flipping, and nobody warned us that, that those windows were not mirrored and that how, you could see right in. How about the fact they'll thank God paparazzi didn't exist? At that point, there were the two photographers. It was, um, there was Roger, who was Roger, the nice one. Right. And then there was Woody. Yeah. No, there was like four or five others because they always chased me. They, okay. They didn't chase me. <sighs> you were better than me. Fine. No, I was just, I just gave <laughs> <You> them <win. laughs> more stuff to photograph. Um, but like the fact that we could, go out to places and walk out and they would still be like, Hey, do you mind if we get a shot? Like they were still, there was still that level of normalcy. It seemed uh, compared to like when I went through paparazzi stuff with Megan and it was like, just fucking bananas. It was mayhem. It was like yeah, 30 see, guys. I remember it so different. Like it wasn't 30 guys, but it was enough and they were not nice. I remember, uh, Roger, one of my closest friends yeah. at that time, they would yell the most hateful stuff in the world to him just to get a reaction from him, hoping that where, then his where reaction. Where was this though that this would happen? Because I see, it was I didn't always at bar one and the Brent Bolt House, like seventies right. club. I did, um, I did Roxbury mainly, and then bar one. I mean, I would get there early because we were promoting there, doing that whole thing. So I had right. like, I had great like backdoor avoid everyone access. See, which is, no, you're which is more why special. I threw clubs. It's the only reason it's literally the only reason I threw clubs was and how so, old were you when you were throwing clubs? 17. Right. I celebrated my 19th birthday at bar one. How crazy is that? Yeah. Bar one. Who, who was it? That was a part owner. Vince, Vince Neal was a part owner at that time. He used to park his Lamborghini right out front. 
I remember that. I just remember the doorman, like the first thing I was told was if you want to get into bar one, mention his Bruno Mogli shoes. <laughs> really? And I had no idea what kind of <laughs> shoes those were, but I did it and I got in. Are you serious? I don't know if it was the shoes or because it was nine, on 90210, but I That's didn't want to assume I would be, hysterical. you know, let right in. So I talked about his shoes. Fuck, we were at, we were on sunset during like a day of sunset. It felt like, like we, yes. all the, all like all the big clubs were open and that like nightlife was on, on sunset Boulevard. It doesn't seem like that's so much the case now. It seems like everything is branched out a little bit, but yeah. sunset was like yeah, you had the rainbow room. Do you remember the rainbow room? Was that not, that was like during my rocker days. No, no, no. That was, um, uh, Nick, Nick Adler ran the yes. rainbow room and the Roxy mm-hmm. Lou Adler's son mm-hmm. who I hung out with all the time. So we used to go to the rainbow room, um, because we could get free food there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'd go with Nick and we, there was a booth in the kitchen. So we would sit in the kitchen and order food. And it was all it was all covered that, and then his dad also owned La Salsa on PCH, where the where the statue is still of the guy holding the platter. That's I that love was that Luella. place. Yeah. yeah, La Salsa. So we used to go there because Nick Nick had his dad had like a guest house with a racquetball court and basketball court in it, and Nick lived there, and it was right at the top of the hill, like on the opposite side of PCH. So we would come down the hill go to La Salsa, eat for free, go back. Uh, it was the greatest. Nobody was feeding me for free. <laughs> Aaron, no, Aaron Spelling wasn't feeding you for free. I was just going to make a joke. No, he wasn't. He was. No, there were moments. Yeah. I mean, they had an amazing cook. I remember her. She was fantastic. And she would know at, at Spelling's house and, oh, okay. and she would make me food whenever I was there. Whenever you come over. Yeah. It was like going to the White House. Like you could just request anything. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. What was her name? Nan, I think. She was awesome. So, yeah, when I was at the Rainbow Room, I think I was hanging out with Guns N' Roses type people. Like Eddie Vedder and stuff, right? Weren't you? No, never. No, wasn't around that time? No, it was more like Slash and those guys. Oh, okay. Not right. that I really knew them and not that they would even remember me. Oh, I'm sure they would remember you. I don't know. I always do the same thing. I always like, like discredit myself and I'm like, Oh, so-and-so doesn't remember. And, and then you see when they're like, of course we fucking remember you. Like you crazy. You were like, you were on the biggest show on television. You were damn the star of the biggest show on television. Yes. So were you, but you were, you were Brenda Walsh. That show was about Brandon and Brenda moving to Beverly Hills. So Totally different situation. So every, I would assume that everyone that ever crossed your path, especially during that time, absolutely remembers it, knows what they were wearing, where it was. We should give ourselves more credit for. We should. Yeah. All right. So the next time that I see somebody I know, I will. You should be like, it's fucking me, bitch. Let's go. <laughs> right. Instead, I like drift off to a wall somewhere and <laughs> totally. become a co- become complete wallflower. Yeah. Yeah. And 
and say to myself, they will never remember meeting me. And it's far too humiliating to go up and say, hey, do you remember I met you, blah, 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 Yeah. for them to look at me with that confused look on their face. You know, it's really Oof. funny. You know, when I did that, it's like somber fucking note for a second. But when we were at Luke's wake at that house and Quentin Tarantino was there because they had just shot Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I had met Quentin at the Golden Globes a few years before with Megan. And he was so kind. He was like, oh, I loved you in this movie. Like he was great. And I saw him at the thing and I didn't say hello to him because I was like, there's no way he'd remember me. I didn't say hi to him because I was intimidated. Well, I was intimidated, but also I was like, there's no. Of course he would remember you. Of course he would remember you. Well, that's what I just said to you. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, but he came up to you and made a point of saying, I, you know, I loved you in that movie. And uh, was he referring to Domino? Domino, yeah. Also one of my favorite movies. And you were hysterical in it. I loved you in that movie so much. And again, just, Good movie. I've seen that fun. movie, I don't even know how many times. Tony Scott was one of my all-time favorite directors. That's such a huge Tony I, So I'm that way with Man on Fire. Okay. I've seen Man on Fire 35 times. No matter what, like at what point it is in that movie, if I walk through the room and it's on, I'll stop and watch the rest of it. I don't care where it is. It's... That movie to me was like perfectly crafted. Yes. Perfect blend of uh, what Tony shot, what he painted with the camera, what Denzel did. Like they were just, what everybody Dakota was did. hitting on <gasps> all cylinders. It was amazing. Yes. I love that. That was movie. amazing. Yeah. So, all right, let's go to 90210 for a okay. minute here. All right. It's going to be longer than a minute and you know it. <laughs> okay. What was that? Because you were pretty much the youngest i think maybe doug was was doug younger than you might have been doug might have been one year younger than you maybe i don't think a year no i think it was like maybe less months. than like yeah. by months so yeah. you guys were the youngest yeah. um, you stayed on doug did not so by proxy you were the youngest what was that like for you being the youngest i know for me there were some people that were probably what late twenties or early thirties. Uh -huh. And they sort of had their shit together already because yeah. they'd already gone through their twenties and right. their teens. And we were going through it with the attention of 90210 on us. Right. And I would have benefited from some of that maturity for sure. But you also, I don't think could expect a complete level of maturity out of, for me, an 18, 19 year old, and you even younger. Yeah, no, I mean that it's, I, I think the reality is the experiences that we had being the ages that we were and not being as together as we, as we would have wanted to be helped create the people that we are now, uh, all, all the crazy stuff that we went through. So we were absolutely supposed to be in that situation at that, at that maturity level. It sucked for me being younger only because like everybody was great when we were on set and we were working, everybody was great. It was really like a even kind of playing field and we all had fun and we all joked around and we did that. But like when the guys went on a trip to God, Germany, I think it was at one point and I was too young. So it was Ian and Jason and Luke that went and I hadn't even heard about it because I know they were like, he can't even fucking travel on his own like what you know right. so 
so I would notice those age differences in things like that, in going to certain events and going to bars for a thing and going to stuff. I wasn't necessarily, um, included in those things, but not because they didn't want me around, but because literally I couldn't have been around. I was legally, you could not go. Yeah. Legally yeah. I was too young. So I think that's why Tori and I connected as much as we did because she was about the same age. She's, I think she's only like a month older than me. Hmm. Um, so we had a lot of the same things in common. We were in the same grades in school. We had the same things coming up. Plus you had me in common. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. You had me in common. We did. Uh, no, you had a lot in common. That's for sure. You and I, we had met each other and been friends like, it seems like 10 years before that. I mean, we were young when we met. You were still doing... I think you were still doing Little House on the Prairie before you even started doing Our House with Chad. I think that so. we met. Yeah, I think it was Remember like it's those some, like weird Hollywood kids parties. The fucking the Alfie soda pop parties, but they were fun. Alfie parties were interesting because it was like I always tell people during that time. For me, my experience in Hollywood, there were only like fifteen to twenty actors, young actors. So we all kind of knew each other and we all went to the same things because we were too young to go to the clubs and go to the stuff. And, you know, Johnny Depp and all them were in kind of the next grade level uh, compared to, compared to what we were doing. So I, I loved those Alfie soda pop parties. They were amazing. I like, I'll, I'll never forget them. The New York seltzer used to sponsor them. And I remember it was like in, uh, ballrooms at hotels. And it was, I just felt so cool going to those. Um, cause I was young. I, I hadn't even gone to my first club until I was with David Faustino and there was a club on like Hollywood Boulevard that we went to. And I remember I was like, Oh my God, I'm in a club. Like this is the craziest thing ever. Right. <laughs> I, I felt like such a cool guy, you know, at like 16 years old to be like, and what were you wearing at that point in time? Oh, Cause Jesus, you had some interesting wardrobe choices, <laughs> something horrible. I'm sure I, yeah, I, so I dressed better in life than I did once 902 started <laughs> because yeah. So much of the David Silver wardrobe was so fucking terrible, but it was almost like a joke. Like we would, I remember going in and we would go through fabric, like spools of fabric. I go, Ooh, let's try and make some pants out of that. But God, I had some of the worst fucking wardrobe ever. Truly some of the worst. Terrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was really Ian bad. used to call me uh awning boy. Cause I had a shirt that was the same as the beach club awning that we had out front of out front of the stage yeah you would terrible. come to set dressed in your wardrobe and i remember the boys would kind of rib you a little bit and the girls would look at you and be like nice outfit bro yeah everyone would be like oh my god i'm so sorry and i yeah. was like yeah whatever <laughs> it's like this young you hyper. never took it personally you were like no. this is cool i'm doing my own thing i got yeah. a look going on for david silver yeah. but you did you really created him as a character because you did not dress like that in real life otherwise no, i never would have hung out with you <laughs> <laughs> judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Do you remember uh, your auditioning process for 90210 totally. at all? What was Absolutely. that? I, um, it was at Aaron's office. I was, I remember I was friends with Doug. So we went in and did a chemistry read together. I only went in like two or three times because David Silver was a much smaller character at that point. And I think I was one of the first people cast on the show. Really? Did you have to go to yeah. network and read for the 30 no. executive? No, never. What? I read in Aaron's office and they were like, cool, you're in. And I was like, yeah, right on. And so then I remember going to the Fox lot and I saw like Gabrielle and her like little red convertible. Like she had booked it, went in and we said hi to each other at the gate. And I had to go in and read with um, other actors auditioning for Steve and I was late, of course. So Ian was like, never let me live down the fact that he was supposed to read with me and I wasn't there yet. <laughs> he, had to, <laughs> he had to read with someone else. But yeah, I didn't have to, thank God, I didn't have to go through all those, like jump through all the crazy network hoops. Yeah, because it was intense. You know, I'm because sure. back then, I mean, Jason and I spoke about it because there was something like, 30 it felt like 30 executives in the room it might have only have been 20 and it felt so daunting and scary I've, I've done a bunch of network tests i never did for 90210 but that's the worst because they usually hold them in like the screening room theater room on their lot in their offices and it's you with whatever actor you're reading with and then there's like 30 people sitting in an audience just completely silent yeah. And you're supposed to put on your best performance for them. And they shuffle you in, you go down, you do the scene, you're like, okay, bye everyone. And then they shuffle you out, they shuffle the yeah. next person in. So it's this weird, like cattle call thing. Well, and if you're lucky, you get to read with another actor. Most of the time, almost all of my network stuff, I think I read opposite casting director. And then they would ask you to wait and right. they would narrow it down and then bring you in with the other number one choice. So it's right. I, like if I'm the number one Brenda so far and Jason's number one Brandon, then we would read together. Right. Which is even worse because then you're doing it twice. But then they would read each of you with other actors and all that stuff. Yeah. 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 The, the, the whole so chemistry painful. aspect of it is, is so tough. I, 
I did that for uh, Freddie. I had to do a network test, which was super daunting. But luckily, Freddie is so cool. And he was on stage. Like, he was the one that I read with for everything. Oh, I forgot. What? I forgot that you worked with Freddie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We did a, we did a full... That's how, that's how I became really good friends with him and Sarah. Was Sarah used to... Sarah was fucking great. She would come to set. Uh, every week, we would have our tape, our tape day. And she would come and bring like empanadas and like, she would be out at the craft service table, like setting stuff. It was, of course, she was amazing. And she was there every single week. And uh, Freddie was amazing. And I had so much fun on that because that was the first time that I had done uh, like a sitcom comedy. And every audition for a comedy that I'd had leading up to that, I always got the same note by manager and agent. Like, was he sick? Does he like, does he not like the script? Was that like, I always got the worst, the worst notes of like, Oh, he just seemed like he didn't want to be there. He seemed like, you know, his dog died. Like it was just the worst. I was like, maybe I shouldn't be doing <laughs> comedies. And then I went in for that one. Um, and Bruce Helford, the guy that was doing it, I had gone in and met with him on, a show that he was going to do with Johnny Galecki and he really got like the humor that I was doing. And it was just in the room with him. I didn't go to network test. The show never went that far. Um, so then when, when they brought me in for Freddie, it was the same kind of thing. Like I had a really good rapport with him. Freddie's fucking great. So it was like, that was the first time where I'd done a comedy and, I really realized like, Oh shit, like I'm funny. Like I can do this. Like I, I figured out, um, what an audience would react to him, what they wouldn't. And like just the biggest confidence booster in the world for me. So I went from that. And then all of a sudden everybody, uh, at all the different networks, they're like, Oh, Brian's really funny. And, but it's like, I'm doing the same fucking thing I've been doing for the past like 15 years. You guys all thought I sucked. Like there's nothing has changed. <laughs> you all thought that my dog died every single time I totally. came in. My dog died every week, apparently. Um, you, you know, the only difference is that I now am working for a guy that fucking believes in me. Yeah. And so he gives me a shot to like do me. Like he would write stuff. But then if I went off page or went off book and improv a little bit, he was, he would just fucking keep it rolling. He was great that way. And then, I ended up working with him a few other times. I did anger management with him. That was, he did that show with Charlie Sheen and he originally brought me in for the first episode to do just one scene to play, um, his current girlfriend's ex-husband. So I had a whole scene like in there and I just had the one scene and I went home and I was like, Hey, good luck everybody. I'd met Charlie on the Warner brothers lot. And then Bruce called me like six months later and he was like, Hey, you want to come back and do like 40, something more of these it's like, like yeah fuck yeah i do Absolutely. what is that a trick question like as an actor <laughs> to get a pickup for 40 plus right. episodes i'll totally do it but yeah you know it's like it's until you do something new and people haven't seen you in it executives in a lot of cases aren't fucking creative they can't see outside of what is on the page and whether you fit the image they had in their mind or not i remember watching an interview that Quentin Tarantino was doing. And he was talking about that when he gets on set, he always lets his actors do the first couple takes the way they would want to do them. Cause he's like, who, 
who's going to try more shit and like go for it more than these fucking people that I've hired to play these characters. Right. Then you can always tool from there, but executives, a lot of executives, I don't want to say all of them, but a lot of them don't have that frame of mind. They don't have that mind state of like, yeah, let's like when you were, you were, I don't know if you were told this all the time, but when I was going to audition, I was told to dress like the character and do my makeup and my hair like the character and I was totally. like, well, it's a period piece and totally. I'm not going out and renting a costume. You're playing a rocker. It's like, I don't listen to rock music. I have no, like, I don't, what do you, so I'm going to go buy shit. Right. It just was always weird. And I, I don't really think I ever participated in that. Maybe my career would have been better. I don't know, but. <laughs> You've had a good long career though. I've had a pretty blessed career i participated in that like my mom would make me remember when um when we were younger i don't know if you had one but i had a headshot that oh, had yeah. like six different on the back pictures so yeah. there was like the main there headshot one, and, and then, then you, you flip it over and it was over. like me with glasses looking glasses. studious me like fixing a bicycle for me it was like me on the phone. Overalls, <laughs> right. and then a dress yes giving all the different looks like this is what i could do and i never understood that so i literally like they put me in the different clothes and it was like, okay, so now I'm wearing this. Like I do, I, am I supposed to do something different for the camera? Like how does, how does this work? I just want to get paid and buy toys. Like I don't, you know, I don't, I don't care about the professional aspect of all of this. I just hire me and pay me because I really want the money. Like that's, that was, that was honestly where my head was when I was a kid. I had no concept well, of the, way, the professional side of it. By the way, what kid that age is saying to themselves, oh, my dream is to be an actor and transform myself into other characters. And you're not really saying that at the age no, of, of 10 course. No, I, I, the only reason I even started was a kid on the fucking bus with me going to elementary school was doing commercials and he always had toys. And I was like, that's, how do you have enough money to have all these toys every time you get on the bus, like video games and things? He was like, oh, I do commercials. And I was like, Sign me up. Let's do it. I went and met with his agent. <laughs> I met with his agent. I had to read a Smucker's commercial and I had to read a scene from Little House on the Prairie to wow. audition for the agent. And the agent was like, yeah, you suck, but you're cute. So, you know, well, let's give it a shot. And I didn't book anything for a year. I did. I had to go to acting class. I had to do all sorts of stuff. And they kept stuff. you? Yeah. Because there were only like 12 kids. What choice did right. they have? It was like Fox with 90210 early on. Like, you know, nobody was watching us, but what, what were they going to fill our fucking space with? Right. News? Like, what, you know, what, like, what do they do? Cart I mean, racing? thank God, like, right? Because... Oh, if we were on NBC or CBS or any of those... It might have been a completely different story. We would have been canceled. We would have been done after the pilot. Right. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. 
With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. For you, obviously, again, we sort of said that you were the youngest. Yeah. And along with Tori, the different things that transpired. But how was that for you as a kid and then growing into your age and into your character and into your position on the set? At what point did you feel that you had matured enough or old enough for them to start listening to your voice? Was there a moment for you where you felt like they listened better? Damn it, respect me. Um, Not even respect, but just (laughs) if you had a suggestion for your character or you had an opinion about something. So I had suggestions and opinions early on because we had been acting. We'd been doing it for a while. You'd been doing it for a while. We met way before the show. I'd been doing it for a while. So like we weren't rookies coming into this, you know, it was like we, so I, I had ideas early on about David Silver and I, David Silver, like there wasn't much direction that was given to me early on. Like I was, I jumped in and put on the bad wardrobe and did the shit and was like, let's go. And was all about creating a character. So I never, I never really had that issue. Thank God with, Aaron or, or Paul or, or anybody that was involved. What I had though was growing up on camera doing the show was hard for me because as I was getting older, it was the line between David and Brian got like fainter and fainter. And it was, and it was hard at that point. The writers would see things I was doing. They go, Ooh, David should be doing that also. And then it was like, okay, now. Oh, let's make David a DJ. Right. Everything is linked. My music career is fucking linked to David. It was like, there were, you know, the dancing and stuff that we were always doing out at clubs. I did that at a rap party. And all of a sudden it was like, Oh, David dances. And then they just like continued to run with it. Understandably. I'm not faulting them for it, but as, as a young guy starting from 17 to 27, those were like my most formidable years. Mm-hmm. I went through, I remember when my album didn't do well. That was the first time in my life that I had, had to deal with failure ever. 90210 blew up, did well. Acting wise, like once I started booking commercials and shit, I just was booking stuff all the time. And I was super fucking busy. Not slanting. Not slant. Every, I did like 75 commercials. Mm-hmm. I remember I was one of the first of our cast to buy a house 
because yeah. I had money from commercials. I bought a house in Burbank when like Jason was in a condo and you, you bought a house, not either right before it or right after it. I, I like, you were always really independent. I thought, or maybe not. Maybe you were, maybe you were running a brothel. Um, just outside of Vegas. <laughs> That's probably would, what I was doing. You would commute to, to work every morning. I do. I'll never forget though, us driving on the 405. I didn't buy a house, I think, until I was like 21 or something, 21 or 22. I think I bought my first house and I bought it, it out in Malibu. Yeah. In Malibu, you did? Yeah. I, I, I least purchased a house and then ran out of money and couldn't afford it. That well, happened. Malibu compared to Burbank. I love that my I love that my first house was in Burbank and yours was in Malibu. <laughs> you were like, let me buy top of the market. And I was like, let me just buy something that I, you know. Let me tell you, it was one of the only smart things I did back then. <laughs> really buying buying a place in Malibu? Yeah. That was that was uh You didn't you know, stay in Malibu though. You haven't been in Malibu the whole time. Um no, so I bought it and then I I lived there for a little bit and I found the commute was really hard. Yeah. And so I moved my parents in. I gave the house to my parents and I moved up to, do you remember my house off of Mulholland on Sumatra? That's what I was just going to say. I remember that one. And you were in that house when you, when you were doing charmed also, you were there for a little while. No, definitely not. I definitely moved out. You rented a few houses. Because that had, yeah, I rented a lot of houses, lots of money down the drain with the rental thing but uh you know i couldn't figure out i I wasn't settled obviously um so do you because i recall when tension started happening on the set and it was always awesome to me that the boys got along so well you guys were always very supportive of each other and congratulating each other and it wasn't necessarily the same with the girls and I think let's just say it wasn't the same with the girls instead of it wasn't always necessarily the same. Cause that's, I feel like you're sugarcoating (laughs) that situation a little bit. That was, it got, it, I like, I remember it got really rough and competitive, uh, for you all. Like it was, um, yeah, that was not an easy situation to watch. And we used to, I remember the guys, like we used to talk about, that I remember at one point um, when there was a fight out front and Ian and I were there. And so we were the two that stepped into the kind of the middle of it to keep it from escalating. It was very hard because I think the expectation that was coming my way was that I should not be doing as much press as I was doing. And what nobody realized is that I didn't actually enjoy taking my weekends and going and doing photo shoots and doing publicity. But I had a network and I had producers who were telling me I had to go do it. Right. This Saturday, this is what you're doing. Right. And you say yes, even though you're exhausted and you're, you're sort of fed up of answering the same questions from multiple people in interviews And even though there are moments where it's super cool to be on the cover of a magazine, again, like Rolling Stone, Jason and I spoke about that. But the rest, all the rest, I was like, I was pretty exhausted. And I was going through a lot of my own growing up. And it just seemed that I was really getting the brunt of 
why is the show about Brenda and Brandon? And yeah, absolutely. Or well, because it's about the Walshes. <laughs> I didn't write the show, right? Absolutely. And you know, I didn't cast myself. I got cast. I fought for my job, right? And but it it felt very hard. And the and the fight. What's really funny about that fight? That was between myself and Jenny. And it started. I don't know if you remember why it started. She was doing a. She was calling it pants down day, where she would pull the pants on the on the on some of the crew members in a funny uh-huh. way. Yeah. But some of them were getting pretty annoyed with it. And then I reversed it, and I said skirt up day. And she always wore the men's Calvin Klein boxer shorts uh-huh. under her clothes, so I didn't think it was that big of a deal. And so I did skirt up day, and. Oh my God, she lost it on me and I was just not in the mood to back down. Oh yeah. There was, there was a lot. I mean, that was, fuck, what was everybody going through personally in life at that point? Cause that was a huge, it was a huge moment for everyone. And it's like, it's I, like, I really now try and take it from an angle of trying to understand what was going on because I was, we were young and I was so fucking selfish at that point. And I was like, what is it? You know, trying to figure out how everything had something to do with me. And it's like, it's not fucking about you. Stop it. Right. I can't imagine what everybody was going through. And I talk about this with Tiffany. Like I, you know, Tiffany came on poor fucking Tiffany came on the show. I'd never been in a real serious relationship before. Um, I was incredibly jealous every time she would fucking have to work with anybody else because we'd already been doing the show for four years. I was like, this is my family. This is, you know, I used to bring Tiffany to events. So she knew everybody from that. And all of a sudden she's, you know, doing like sex scenes and shit with people, with people that were like my family and my brothers. It was yeah, strange. That's weird. So I remember like, I was very, uh, I was really just fucking jealous and like boisterous and like, didn't, I, I, I made it really hard for Aaron. I made it really hard for Chuck Rosen. I made it really hard for people because it was like, I was trying to, without making demands, make demands of like, you know, don't do this again to me. Like, this is, you don't have to do this. Let's do you like really putting fucking pressure on people. Mm. And now looking back on it, I can't imagine what that was like for her. Right. I can't well, imagine what it was like for her being with me for three years at that point. And then all of a sudden being on set. And having to do these scenes, but then having her fucking boyfriend who she lives with, by the way, freaking out the way that I was, but like, I cannot imagine. There's also just growing pains. I mean, listen, there's a difference. We all see each other. We all get along now. Yeah. I don't have any animosity towards anyone. I'm like you. I sort of look and say, we were so young and we were growing up. And stretching our wings and learning how to use our voice and what that meant and figuring out relationships in real life. And, you know, I was with an abusive husband for that last season and I had a lot of bad boyfriends. Oh my God, I remember that. I had the worst taste. I still perhaps do. (laughs) It's just your picker's broken. That's all. You just need, you just need to have somebody come in and recalibrate your picker. That's all. I know. I'm just, I'm never picking for myself again. Somebody else has to do it, but because I'm just terrible. I think 
Rob Weiss was probably my absolute best boyfriend I ever had for sure. Yeah. Seven years too with him. So he was great. The the rest, bye-bye. Uh, but I think I give us more allowance now to forgive ourselves and to forgive others for being friggin' kids. Right. Working on that show and having that amount of publicity and attention fame and pressure and, and fame and, and yeah. yeah it's even with jason when he was on i talked to him about getting fired and what that was like and what he must have felt because there were only a few people who knew what i was going through at the time and i'm not going to rehash it here because they can listen to the podcast with jason but I think once I got fired, I was angry for a little while and thought, why didn't anybody defend me? Why didn't anybody understand what I was going through between my dad and my husband? But then later, to me, it was, well, why weren't you more transparent? Why didn't you let people know? And why didn't you ask for help? Then again, why didn't anybody sit down with me and say, this is what's going to happen? You're about to get fired because we're fed up. So we're instead of just jumping to, hey, let's fire her, have a conversation. I just remember Aaron never spoke to me, never having a conversation, just all of a sudden, bam, you're fired, Shannon, which is a pretty awful thing to do to a person when they're helping support a family as well. So it messes with your livelihood. However, I definitely look back at that time and think, all right, I can live with what happened. That's fine. I get it. I 100% get it. I also think that for some of you, not all of you, but for some of you, particularly you, because we had known each other before and we were close, mm. that must have been hard. Oh, that was that. I, I'll never forget that phone call. Like we were all sitting in Paul's office and Aaron was on speakerphone and everybody was going around the room and talking about it. And I remember I was just like not in agreement with anybody else in the room. And that was one of the, that was one of the only times early on that like, I really, cause I tried to be as agreeable as possible and like not rock the boat and kind of be friendly with everyone and do all that. But that was one of those, like, um, I remember when the conversation came up and they were, they were talking about you not being there. And I was just like, I don't, I don't agree with any of you that are in this room. So I'm just going to sit in my spot because I was so fucking outnumbered. It's there, there was, it was the entire cast. Paul was there. Betty was there. There, it was, it was a pretty sizable fucking room. And everyone was like, at that point, really playing the thing of like, Oh yeah, no, you know, it's just really, it's tough. She's getting a lot of bad press and it's probably best for us if, you know, if she's not here and that, and I, I didn't agree not only because I have known you so long, but because fucking 90% of that press, I was with you. (laughs) I'm like, it was, I was right by your side. And so was our producer's daughter. Right. Totally. So was Tori. Yeah. And we, if I was late, she was late because we drove to work together all the time. I always used to say to people in interviews and stuff, the common question was like, um, you know, uh, how's everything going with Shannon? You know, she can be such a bitch. 
<laughs> and always I was like, I do not understand. That was the first like real example to me of sexism within the business because I, I, and I used to say this to people all the time. I would say, you know, if, if a guy was acting like Shannon, he would be incredibly decisive with what he wants to do, you know, very proud of his work, very, you know, up to fight for himself. And, but like, and he would just be hailed as this incredible uh, professional on, on set. I was like, but because it's a woman doing it, um, you label her right away as a bitch. I was like, I don't, I don't get it. I've, I've always said to people, you are an incredible example of someone that is, has always been incredibly kind, always to everyone. I've seen you around everybody, but at the same time, you're very good at balancing being kind with being sure of who you are and what you want and what is okay and what is not. And you will fight to the death for people. Um, and you are like, you are very strong that way. And it's, it's an amazing quality because not a lot of people have that. They either sort of succumb to everything and they just like bend over and they just take what, you know, whatever is supposed to happen. They go, yes, sir. No, sir. Or somebody is just an asshole to everybody and is selfish Mm -hmm. and nobody wants to fucking work with them. You somehow have found a fucking middle ground that is so admirable. It's so. Thank you. And I've watched you do it your entire career. You did it on 90210. I watched you do it on Charmed. I've watched, like, I've watched you do it in your relationships. I've watched you do it with people around you. Um, I, to this day, I don't run into people that ever have a bad thing to say about you ever. Nobody ever like, oh, I had a run in with her and she was really mean or she was really distant or she was really strange. Nothing ever. You know, there's no guest stars from 90210 or Charmed that could say that they weren't allowed to look me in the eyes or speak to me. (laughs) (laughs) That was not me. (laughs) No, that wasn't you. I definitely was not that person. No. All right, Bri, there is just way too much to fit all into one episode. So hold that thought and let's continue in a bonus episode. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. 
Right Rug Flooring.